the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Who is this Jesus? He's heir of all things in Hebrews 1. All the resources of heaven are yours. He's the almighty creator in Hebrews 1. He's named every star. He's not forgotten your name. He knows your joys and your sorrows. He knows your mountain peaks and your valleys. He knows when you rejoice. And he knows when tears flow from your eyes. He knows when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He is the living creator. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. Keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. Here is Pastor Mark Finley with today's Hope Lives 365. We pray thee today that as we open the word, the spirit of God would speak to us, lift our spirits, encourage our hearts, draw us close to you, we pray thee in Christ's name, amen. In my imagination, I see a small group of Jewish Christians. I don't know how many there are, there could be 15 or 20, maybe 50. It's late first century, someplace between 62 and 70 AD. This group had been Christians for many years. And they could recall the mighty preaching of the Apostle Peter on Pentecost. They could recall the 3,000 being baptized and the mighty moving of the Holy Spirit in the early days of the church. The powerful impact of the gospel on Roman society. They had suffered insults experienced persecution and imprisonment for Christ. Their properties had been confiscated. Some of them had been tortured, and some of their families had been martyred. But now, years had passed, and the first flush of faith seems to be waning. Their early enthusiasm is gone. Their excitement for Jesus is ebbing away. They've begun to grow weary. They begun drifting with the crowd, simply feeling like letting go of their faith. It's not so much apostasy as it is neglect of their faith. The things of time are crowding out the things of eternity for this small band of Christians. Sin's deceitfulness had hardened their hearts. Doubts have flooded into their minds. They're failing to grow spiritually. They're standing at the crossroads between faith and unbelief, between full commitment and lackadaisical complacency, between hope and despair, between valiantly moving forward in their Christian faith and experiencing the stranglehold of spiritual stagnation. They stand at the crossroads between life and death. The leader of this little group stands and explains that a courier has just arrived bringing a sermon that he wants to read to them from one of their revered Christian leaders. Their hearts beat with eager anticipation, and they listen in rapt attention 
as the book of Hebrews is read to them. It first comes to this little band as a sermon. And as they hear Hebrews chapter 1, their hearts soar with the idea that Jesus is the divine son of God. That he's higher than the angels, greater than Moses or Joshua. They hear Hebrews chapter 2 read. That Christ who is the divine son of God tabernacled in human flesh. That he identifies with us in human nature. That the son of God became the son of man so that sons of men can become the sons of God. They read and they listen to Hebrews chapter 3. Consider the apostle and high priest of our calling, Christ Jesus. Jesus, the son of God, became the son of man so he could qualify as our great high priest. In Hebrews chapter 4, they discover that this great high priest offers them rest and refuge. That they can find rest from their anxieties in him. In Hebrews chapter 5... They discover that this amazing Christ offers to them eternal salvation, that their sins can be forgiven, that pardon comes from Christ, that there is no condemnation in Christ. And when they hear the moving portion of the sermon in Hebrews chapter 5, they grasp the reality that in Christ they are secure. Hebrews chapter 6, Jesus is the one that will never let us go, that in him... We are steady. We have the anchor of our souls. Hebrews chapter 7. Jesus is the one that intercedes for us. The one who represents us before the throne of God and the cosmic controversy in the universe. And they hear Hebrews 7 verse 25 in that moving sermon read to them. He ever lives to make intercession for them. They come to Hebrews chapter 8 and they learn about the Christ, the living Christ who wants to write the law of God in their hearts so they love it in their minds so they know it. They come to Hebrews chapter 9 and they are moved with the idea that this Christ who sits on the throne as their great high priest will purge them from sin. That his grace not only pardons from sin but it cleanses. Hebrews chapter 10, he is the Christ who sits at the right hand of God. He is so faithful that he'll never let us go. We may be unfaithful, but he is faithful. Our hands may slip from his, but his grip never slips upon us. In Hebrews chapter 11, he is the Christ that imparts faith to every believer down through the centuries. A faith that will never let them go. In Hebrews chapter 12, he is the author and finisher of their faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto who, everybody? Jesus. What is he? The author and the finisher of our faith. And these Hebrews begin to think... There's a new joy that fills their soul. There's a new sparkle in their eyes. There is a new hope that fills their hearts because Jesus is the author of their faith. But what Christ begun in them, he will finish. And then they come to Hebrews chapter 13. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not fickle. He is not changeable. He is the immutable Christ. You can only imagine what these scattered Hebrew Christians meeting in undesirable circumstances thought when the letter was written to them and read to them. Their weak, wavering, vacillating faith was strengthened. The challenges they faced didn't seem so great. The forces that opposed them didn't seem so formidable. Jesus, their high priest, was seated on the throne in heavenly places. This encouraging sermon in the book of Hebrews to a small group of struggling Christians standing at the crossroads between faith and doubt begins by detailing seven great facts about Jesus. 
There are lessons here that will encourage our hearts too. Because each one of us, at times in our lives, stands at the crossroads of faith. And there's somebody here this morning that you're standing at the crossroads. At the crossroads between commitment and complacency. At the crossroads between devotion and doubt. At the crossroads between belief and unbelief. At the crossroads between a growing faith and a dying faith. And this letter, although written in the first century, speaks to us in the 21st century. This letter, although written 2,000 years ago at another time and another place, speaks to us at this time in this place. This letter, written in an ancient language, speaks to us in our language. This letter written in another cultural background speaks to us in our cultural background because the word of God is ever true. The word of God is eternal. It speaks to every generation. The word of God is universal. It speaks to men and women of every culture and every background. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, this letter written long ago to a distant unknown congregation, the message of Hebrews speaks to us in this time and this place. Seven eternal truths about Jesus found in the first four verses of the book of Hebrews. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. This morning we're going to look at the first four verses and notice seven eternal truths. Truths that leap off the page. Truths that speak to us with meaning and relevance and purpose. Truths that lift our spirits. Truths that encourage our hearts. Truths that focus us on the eternal Christ, Jesus, our great high priest. Hebrews chapter 1. We begin with verse 1. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. We pause here momentarily before we go on to the main seven points. Sometimes we miss the obvious. Did you notice what scripture said? God who in times past spoke by the prophets. The first point we notice is this, that God spoke. And God still speaks. He is not silent. He's not left you alone. Earth is not some isolated island in the universe. God speaks through his prophets. God has spoken through his son. And when we take the word of God in our hands, this is not merely some dusty cultural document written to a primitive people 2,000 years ago. This is the guiding, instructing, admonishing, encouraging, inspiring, teaching, correcting word of God. When we take the Bible in our hands, God is speaking to us through Scripture. The Holy Spirit that inspired the Bible inspires men and women as they pick it up today. The Bible is God's voice to the soul just as verily as we could hear him speaking with our own ears when we open the Bible. We open it with a reverential awe. We come to the Bible thinking about the fact of the men and women down through the ages that meticulously copied scripture and many of them at the price of their life gave their lives for the word of God. Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. You can grow in your knowledge of God's Word by enrolling in online courses by Pastor Mark Finley. Go to hopelives365biblestudy.com. That's hopelives365biblestudy.com. When you go there, you will find wonderful courses such as Bible prophecy, discipleship, leadership, or improving your health. 
These courses are especially designed to help you discover deeper insights into the Bible. Go to HopeLives365BibleStudy.com. That's HopeLives365BibleStudy.com. Or call right now to register, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. 888-244-HOPE. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley. I think of William Tyndall, that great Bible translator. We just came back a week ago from leading a tour on the British Reformation. And Tyndall suffered again and again and again, tried, persecuted for his faith, for writing and translating the Word of God. I can never take the Bible in my hands again the same way after taking this British Reformation tour and reliving the life of Tyndall and Ridley and Latimer and Cranmer who were burned at the stake. You know, there's a little interesting aside about Tyndall. When he was on trial, he was asked, who financed your Bible translation? Where did you get all the money? Give us their names so we could try them. Now, the Bishop of Durham was one of Tyndall's mortal enemies. The Bishop of Durham breathed out wrath against Tyndall. And when Tyndall was on trial and before his inquisitor, he simply smiled and he said, my greatest financier was the Bishop of Durham. (laughs) And the inquisitor said, what are you talking about? He said, oh, yeah, we had an arrangement. I would ship Bibles into England because he was living in Europe at the time. I would ship Bibles into England and we would sell them to the Bishop of Durham so he could burn them at a high price. But we raised the price of the Bibles. The Bishop bought them at a great price and burned them and his money financed the printing of many other Bibles. (laughs) God has a way, doesn't he? You take this book in your hands and you sense that blood was shed for it. You know, I spent a lot of time in the former Soviet Union, spent a lot of time in Hungary, Poland, Yugoslavia, and Russia. Always impressed with those men and women whose faith was anchored in the Word of God, who took this book and read it, and were willing to risk their lives for it. In an unnamed country, on an unnamed continent, in an unnamed city. Have I been vague enough? (laughs) We got a report in the General Conference some time ago. There was a dear, simple sister in that country. She began to study the Word of God, and it transformed her life. She found a Christ who is worthy to be trusted. A Christ that could take away her guilt. A Christ that would forgive her sins. A Christ that would give her new power in her life. When you find Jesus, good news is for sharing. Good news is too good to keep to yourself. And it was against the law to share the word of God. But God had spoken to her in his word. God had changed her life through his word. So she gathered a little group in her home and she began to share the word of God. She began to share the joy that there was in Christ. And as she shared that joy, a group of her friends gathered around and the group grew so much that they had to take all the furniture out of the living room because in this particular country they sit on the floor. They took all the furniture out and they'd gather 30 or 40 people in the room. But soon the security forces learned about this illegal Anti-government, they called it. It was not. It was a Bible study, but that's what they called it. 
They called these people counter-revolutionaries. And they came in and broke up the meeting. And they threatened this woman. And they said to her, look, if you continue these meetings, you're going to serve one year in prison. They moved the location of the meeting to another home. But eventually she was arrested and sentenced to one year in prison. She was placed in a woman's prison with thieves, prostitutes, and others. And in that prison cell, she began to sing the songs of heaven. And when these women, rough, hard women in that prison gathered around the cell, she began to share from her heart the word of God. The word of God burned in her soul. The word of God inspired her life. And others gathered around. Soon one was converted, two were converted. Soon she had 30 or 40 people meeting on the Sabbath in the prison. She was in prison six months and the prison warden came to her in the report we got. And the prison warden said, we have made a great mistake in putting you in prison. Because when you were not in prison, you had to find your own converts. We've already given you a whole prison full of converts here for you, potential converts. We have met as a prison board, and we've commuted your sentence. You are going out of prison after six months. She said, you cannot do that. It's against the law. The judge signed me one year of prison, and I'm staying here till my work is done. Praise God. (laughs) Hebrews, the first chapter, and the first verse. Hebrews, the first chapter and the first verse. What did God do? God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days done what? Spoken to us by his what? Son. Jesus still speaks through his word. If you want a vibrant, living Christian experience... You cannot have a vibrant living experience if the television takes more time than the word of God. If the things of time strangle out the things of eternity like a noose around a hangman's neck. The Bible still speaks to souls. The Bible still warms hearts. Jesus still speaks in the 21st century. Now there are seven things about Jesus here Eternal truth number one, God who at various times in different ways spoke in times past by the prophets, verse one, hath in these last days spoken to us by a son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. So who is Jesus in Hebrews one? Seven facts about Jesus in Hebrews one. First, he is heir of all things. The whole universe is his. He is Lord of all. Jesus said, all things that the Father hath are mine. His lordship is universal. His possessions are unlimited. His wealth is infinite. Christ lived. Christ died. Christ rose again. He sits on the throne of the universe. He sits in heavenly places. And he is the rightful owner of it all. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost dominion of this planet. Satan became the prince of this world, but on the cross. Jesus triumphed over the principalities and powers of hell. Satan is a defeated foe. And once again, Jesus reigns as heir of all things. This world and everything in it is rightfully his. It's Christ by creation and it's Christ by redemption. He created it and he redeemed it. How would you conduct yourself if you knew that you were heir to a fortune? How would you conduct yourself if you knew you had immediate access to all of the resources that you would ever need? Think of Allegra 
Versace. When Allegra turned 18, she inherited a inheritance valued at $700 million. I don't think your 18-year-old daughter is going to get that. Allegra Versace inherited a fortune of $700 million when she was 18. But you know what? You are wealthier than that. Because Jesus is heir of all things. And as a son or daughter of the kingdom of the universe, your riches are unlimited. Turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Romans 8, verse 32. I am afraid that many Christians live beneath their privileges. They do not recognize that Jesus is heir of all things. And that because he is, the unlimited resources of heaven are theirs. Romans chapter 8. You're looking there at verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Jesus, who is heir of all, opens the treasure house of heaven for you and for me. Get your face off the dirt. You are a son or daughter of God. He is heir of all things. Take your Bible, please, and turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Who is Jesus? He is the one that died for us. He is the one that lives for us. He is the one who sits on heaven's throne for us. In Christ, we have access to the heavenly riches. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let's read verse 2 and 3. 2 Peter 1, 2 and 3. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. God does not give us grace scantily. He does not give us peace scantily. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. When you have a knowledge of Christ as the one who died and the one who lives, and when your mind is focused on the high priestly ministry of Jesus, and you recognize that you are heir of all things, the abundance of heaven's resources flows into your soul. Now, this is not the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. It's a million miles from that. It's not that you pray that a Mercedes is going to be parked in your backyard tomorrow and you go out and say, if I have enough faith, the Mercedes is going to be there. It is not that you prayed necessarily that it wouldn't rain so you could go on a picnic and it's not going to rain and if it rains, God lets you down. This is not the health and wealth and prosperity gospel. Peter is clear. He says, God will give us all things that pertain to life and godliness. There's something more valuable than a Mercedes. Here's what the Bible is talking about. When I understand that Christ is the great high priest, and he's heir of all things. And he is willing to pour out to me everything that pertains to life and godliness. That Jesus will give me an abundance of grace, an abundance of joy, an abundance of peace. He will give me strength to live the Christian life, that whatever external circumstances that I find myself in, I can be joyous in Jesus. Whatever external circumstances I can find myself in, I can have peace in Jesus. Whatever external circumstances are going on around me, there is in my life that sense of steady purpose and confidence. He is the heir of all things, and he pours out to me. 
me heavenly riches. Isn't that incredibly good news? Should any Christian live in a state of discouragement? We may from time to time get discouraged, but we are not in a state of discouragement. Because looking to Jesus, he is the heir of all of heaven's resources for us. Seven things about Jesus. Back to Hebrews chapter 1. First, he is the heir of all things. Secondly, Hebrews 1, and we're looking there at verse 2. He has, in the last days, spoken to us who he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So Jesus is heir of all things, but also he made the world. He is the almighty creator. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for the first portion of this message. Join us tomorrow when we conclude this broadcast. Have you ever wondered what happens five minutes after death? Do you long for the assurance of eternal life? Is there a longing in your heart for something beyond this life? Dark Tunnels and Bright Lights by Mark Finley is the message of hope you need. This book presents the real truth about life after death and is more amazing than you can imagine. Call for your copy today. Here's the information you need. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Your donations help us keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Call 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or visit hopelives365.com. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.